Ladies and gentlemen, it is lightning round time. Of course, your break in the midweek for all the fantasy football that you seek. I am Kevin Tompkins. Of course, I am Kevin Tompkins. If I am still contractually obligated to throw that in. Thank you, Matthew Berry. Uh, we have Andrew Cooper, of course. Britt Flynn, of course. And to the lower right on your screen, he is from Football Guys. He will be on the Scott Fishbowl 12 Potathon. You can catch him on, I believe, Sunday at 11 a.m., uh, the fantasy, uh, I'm sorry, with Troy King and Victoria Geary, the football guys, mailbag crew, Mr. Dave Kluge, your wife owes me a pie. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, actually just wrapped up the mailbag show. Um, you know, we we kind of took a little bit of time off. We were doing it biweekly in the early off season, but we are full go now doing it every single week. You know, being with Troy and Vic, it's always, always a very fun show to record. Hey, Mr. Scampers, just saw you a few minutes ago. Nice to see you over here. Scamp yeah. in the house. He is a little scamp, isn't he, dude? I always see him at over at FYF, uh, yep. coasting around there where he crushes it in pole perception. I should really just start stealing his answers when I do, when I do that show. The most, might terrible. be the most knowledgeable cat in fantasy football. Just top three. Top three. Okay, who are the other two? <laughs> Britt, who you got? <laughs> meow, meow, and shitty kitty. Duh, they have to live with me all day, and I talk out loud to them so that they validate my takes. Same two. <laughs> same two I had. Yeah, here we go. Dame of board. No, is not. Yeah, <laughs> you, you took you took a wrong turn. I'm just I'm just happy that Sellers has his own YouTube account instead of finally, yeah, dude. We finally. It only took a year. Well, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to do some bold predictions. We're going to get a little bold here tonight. Uh, but before we do that, we have a little uh, breaking news here. Baker. <laughs> what, Coop? What That's is, a new one. Where'd you find that, dude? That was that some like QAnon breaking news thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I'm not even going to get into yeah, the nuts and bolts of that loaded uh, statement <laughs> from you, Coop. Uh, but yeah, so Baker Mayfield has been traded from the Browns to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, thus, I guess, ending that saga and starting a whole new topic of conversation on social media that does not involve uh, Gabriel Davis. So, uh, Dave, we'll start with you. We'll just hit this off here. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Carolina, uh, your first like initial thoughts about, you know, from a fantasy football perspective. I mean, my initial thoughts were like, thank God, DJ Moore finally has a quarterback. And then I kind of thought about it a little bit deeper and I was like, wait, it's still Baker Mayfield. I mean, that, that might be the best quarterback he's ever played with, but at the end of the day, it's still Baker Mayfield. And I know we got to put some sort of spin on it, but I sat there and was looking at my rankings and I'm like, this doesn't really change anything for me like you know i'm still looking at him as a high-end wide receiver too and i'm not willing to bump him up into the wide receiver one range because baker mayfield is in town if anything i think the the biggest benefactor from this is jacoby Brissett because the whole kind of concern was you know who was going to be playing week one we're almost guaranteed that sean watson's going to be looking at at least half a season suspension there was some possibility that they might be able to reconcile their differences between baker mayfield and the browns but now that is completely off the table it looks like jacoby Brissett is going to be the week one starter but uh this, this doesn't really move the needle for me anywhere in, in fantasy football yeah, I pretty much said the same thing. I was like, time for a bunch of us to go rush over to our rankings and look at DJ Moore and kind of leave him right where he is. You look, know, look, like, DJ dude, Moore this is cause for us to sell. 
<laughs> yeah, huge celebration. That was that was DJ, the scene I mean, like, at the Tompkins compound today. Yeah, D- DJ Moore to me, like he, I and I like DJ Moore a lot, but like to me, he's just like a steady dude. He's like Brandon Cooks, where like mm-hmm. when he plays with a good quarterback, he scores touchdowns. When he doesn't, he doesn't score that many touchdowns. Good for about thousand yards or so. And I think you know maybe <laughs> yeah. he scores one or two more touchdowns, but can you really move him that far? But me personally. I'm interested to hear what Britt Flynn has to say because she's got a lot of QB takes these days and we need to hear them. Well, I just think that everybody looked at Baker's season last year when he was hurt, mind you. He was playing with a torn labrum and then he was dealing with calf and ankle injuries as well. But if you go back to 2020, Baker was in the top 10 in quarterback rating and in touchdown to interception ratio. And also a little known fact was that in 2020, the uh, Browns threw like 66 screens and Baker had the highest yards per attempt on screen passes of anybody in the entire league. It was 8.8 yards per screen pass. And he was doing this with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt, with Jarvis Landry. I mean, CMC is going to crush this year. He's going to eat. Then if you get DJ Moore playing in the slot every now and then, like he does, he's going to eat. I think Terrace Marshall also has a chance to break out here because he right now, I mean, it's prior to camp, so we don't know how it's going to shake out at the end, but he's the primary slot receiver right now. And I think that he could benefit and finally have a breakout season too. The Panthers also got Ike Aquanu in the draft. So they short up that offensive line. I don't think that Baker is just as blah as everybody thinks that he is. I think that this is a major upgrade to everybody on this team, except Robbie Anderson, because Baker hates Robbie Anderson because of that. No comment. He's not going to throw to him. But (laughs) I just I think that it is a major upgrade, especially with Sam Darnold. And I don't buy all of that, you know, media talk that Mike Garofolo put out that they're still going to compete for the starting job with Sam Darnold. Like, I don't think there's any way that they do that. I think that Baker is the clear-cut starter on this team, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he got done dirty in Cleveland, and he has some stuff to prove. That's exactly what happened with him in Oklahoma, and he's going to go back to the old Baker. We're going to see. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. It's The Robbie Anderson situation is like that. you get to prison that first day, and you just pick a fight with the biggest <laughs> dude, and then and then you get to the mess hall, and you find out that that dude's the guy that like serves lunch. And just like everything is ruined now, like that's pretty much what he just did. Like, to, like if you want to do that, do it. Do it with some guy on defense at least. You know what I mean? Do it with with a quarterback that's going to be feeding you the ball. That hurts, man. I don't know, Kev. What do you think, man? You making any major moves here? I mean, I'm not making super major moves on you know Baker Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett. I think they're fine. Uh, you know, as a speculative like a super flex uh, QB two, uh, maybe even a high end QB three, but. I mean, that that doesn't really move the needle for me. I'm completely focused in on DJ Moore. And like you said, this is the best quarterback he'll have played with. I mean, he's been catching passes from what? Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Will Greer, Kyle Allen. Like, say what you want. PJ Walker. Yeah, yeah, right. PJ <laughs> P. P. Walker kind of nice, though. Just saying, he was. I'll, I'll shut up and I'll shut up and, and let you guys talk. He he was he was nice in the uh, was it the XFL or the AFL I think or the A whatever yeah. the XFL A it was the XFL whatever lo- random string of letters you want to throw out there that constitutes a football league sure why not but um, yeah I'm looking at this from a DJ Moore perspective and you know last year he averaged twenty over um, over twenty two fantasy points per game um, in the first four weeks. Uh, with Sam Darnold, he averaged 11 targets per game. 
Uh, I mean, he was on pace to I when I had my whiteboard uh, behind me that 2021 DJ Moore was going to be 2020 Stefan Diggs. And I think there's an increased chance that that could be the case this year with DJ Moore. I mean, and people want to say, okay, well, D- Christian McCaffrey really hadn't played. You know, what about him? It's they, they can both eat. He had his highest target uh, target share, 23%. Um, and was wide receiver 16 the same season as 2019 and CMC put up 29 and a half fantasy points per game. The two can coexist. Now there's a quarterback there, you know, looking at those two, I think mean, you could take your flyer on Terrace Marshall. I'm perfectly fine with that. He's right now. I'm like underdog. He's going pretty much in the 18th round. You can get him if you want him. And then, you know, in redraft, obviously he's going to be on the waiver wire. You could always take a flyer on him if you want to, and then, uh, swap them out. But yeah, for DJ Moore, I mean, for Chris McCaffrey, I think it's going to be a good move as well. It just solidifies that quarterback position where, I mean, you really want to pin your hopes on Sam Darnold and potentially Matt Corral. I mean, if at least for this year, uh, pretty dicey situation, but it's a good move uh, for them. It's just the way they've gone about the quarterback position Carolina has, you know, passing on Justin Fields, giving all that money to Teddy Bridgewater. Now they traded a fifth round for uh pick for baker mayfield it's just it's a don't it's, forget about cutting and bringing back cam newton yeah in a matter of two years <laughs> exactly it's just it's a shambles it is literally an odyssey that you can write a book about <laughs> the cam newton thing dude just way to confuse the young fans nothing <laughs> he just comes back scores a touchdown does the superman and then just disappears again it's like jeez man come on and clearly the answer is maybe yeah, so, I think they should have a moving into the new stadium commercial. I think that would be hilarious, like him pulling up with a U-Haul and moving all of his stuff in. Yeah, I enjoyed well, those commercials. Did the yard I will sell say. commercial. Yeah, that was perfect. I mean, that was that was just low hanging fruit, really. The, the yard sale thing. All right. Well, you know what? We talked about the break news of the NFL with that fantastic drop. That, uh, by the way, I uh, believe somebody said it. That hard out on the drop. I did that. Um, just because I didn't know if we wanted to watch 20 seconds of um, fantastic YouTube graphics with the breaking news thing. Uh, let's talk about some uh, bold predictions. Let's get saucy here. Um, Dave, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, give us one of your bold uh, predictions, your bold takes for 2022. All right. And this one, you know, it felt really bold at the time when I put it out there. Now I see him starting to creep up draft boards. And I don't know if it's even that spicy anymore, but I've had Allen Robinson inside my top 12 wide receivers for quite some time now. And I think there's just so much more to the story than he's washed. And anytime you talk about Allen Robinson, you just get spammed with all of those replies. He's washed. He's old. He sucks. And I don't think that's really the case. I mean, I saw the writing on the wall last offseason that it was going to be a pretty bleak year for Allen Robinson. There are obviously these underlying contract tensions that were never really a major national story. But anyone that had their ear to the Chicago beat knew that he wasn't happy there. I mean, he was asking for a long-term deal. The team tells him that they're not going to give him a long-term deal. Then they take Kenny Galladay out and they offer him an $80 million contract, slap Allen Robinson with a franchise tag. It made sense that he was going to be a little bit frustrated. Started to phone in camp a little bit. And then the weirdest thing was that he and Justin Fields got no reps at all together in the offseason. Justin Fields was taking his reps with the twos. Allen Robinson was working with the ones and they had no chemistry whatsoever. And if you look in week one, Allen Robinson commanded a 28% target share and 11 targets. He was his normal, normal target hog self, you know, getting all the looks from Andy Dalton. 
And then Andy Dalton tweaked his ankle. He left the game. Justin Fields stepped in. Justin Fields, who had a you know pre-established chemistry with Darnell Mooney, turned Darnell Mooney into the team's wide receiver. One Darnell Mooney then saw a 25% target share with Justin Fields, and Allen Robinson's dropped to below 20%. And from there, you know, it just kind of tailspin out of control. Then he picked up a hamstring injury, missed a few games. He was limited in some of the games that he came back. So I just don't think that we see this guy who has been a prolific wide receiver one dating all the way back to what, 2016, 2017. I don't think that he just suddenly fell off the age cliff at age 28. I think that there were contract tensions, injuries, lack of chemistry with his quarterback. And now he goes to a place in Los Angeles where everybody's immediate reaction is, well, Cooper Cup is going to demand all the targets there. and There's not going to be enough left over to eat. Well, at the time of Cooper Cup's or at the time of Robert Woods's injury last year, he was a wide receiver 12. He was putting up top 12 numbers in fantasy. And then Odell Beckham Jr. showed up and took him a couple of weeks to kind of get up to speed. But uh, towards the end of the season, he uh, if you look, I believe it was week 13 on, he was the wide receiver 22. And then we saw what he did in the playoffs as well. And that was with no se- no offseason, no time to build a chemistry with Matt Stafford. The one last thing I'll say is that throughout Allen Robinson's entire career, he's been playing with Christian Hackenberg and Matt McGloin and Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel. I mean, the list goes on and on and on with these terrible quarterbacks. And we've always said, what would Allen Robinson look like with a quarterback upgrade? Well, now he goes to the reigning Super Bowl champs with the best quarterback of his career and not just a marginal Baker Mayfield type upgrade. We're talking Matthew Stafford, future Hall of Famer here, who's coming off one of the best seasons he's ever had. So I think that, you know, we should really be looking at uh, uh, the floor for Allen Robinson being top 15. There's a realistic chance that he can dra- again crack the top five, but I'm drafting him confidently as a top 12 wide receiver. Oh, I love how you tossed a Matt McGroin, Matt McGloin in there. We used to call him Pat McGroin, me and the boys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, real quick before I, I'm going to weigh in here, but uh, what do you think about Gary's question here with uh, Stafford? So, you know, I've got him lumped in with Rogers, Russ Wilson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. I've got them all tiered, basically. I've got my my top six quarterbacks who are all the guys with the rushing upside. Then I've got Tom Brady, Joe Burrow in a tier of their own. And then after that, it's really hard for me to differentiate. So Allen Robbins or Aaron Rodgers is my favorite guy in that uh, in that next tier of quarterbacks. And then I've got Matthew Stafford right there. So um, I'd have to look at my rankings exactly. Like I said, I do it in tiers, but it would be somewhere around QB nine, QB ten. Yeah, and that's fair because you know we've seen uh, guys like Kirk Cousins support two top ten guy. You know, non mobile QBs can support two top ten passers while not being super high end passers themselves. I mean, we've seen it with. Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had like Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall in the top 10. You know what I mean? Like we've seen uh, we've seen some pretty good, uh, you know, same with your Bears when Allen Robinson and um, and Alshon Jeffrey were uh, sorry, uh, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey on your team. Like the quarterback wasn't super high end either, really. So, um, you know, we've oh, seen that, that before. Uh, it was co- a color jab and you expect it, to just overlook that. Well, it wasn't Cutler uh, that year. That particular well, year, it was McCown. It was McCown. So don't worry. I, I'm a Cutler guy, man. <laughs> Bench press at the combine. Let's go. But um, yeah, so for me, I like like you said, this isn't unprecedented for guys to not like the coach, not like the situation they're in and kind of mail it in and then come back in a better situation and crush. I mean, we saw Mike Wallace do it. He, he could play whenever he wanted to. He could not play whenever he wanted to. And we saw Randy Moss at age 29 throw up like 500 yards on the Raiders and then come back and have 1,500 yards and 23 touchdowns with Tom Brady. I mean, you – last year with Odell Beckham in Los Angeles. Yeah. You name-dropped a guy during uh, – when you were talking there, you said Kenny Galladay. I mean, Kenny Galladay, awesome with, 
with uh, Matt Stafford, it's not like he stopped being good at football immediately because he got moved to New York. It's just that it's not a good offense. You know what I mean? It's not a good team. They were dead last in offensive touchdowns. That's so thing. when you look historically at the guys that Matthew Stafford is favored, they all kind of fit that same archetype. And I don't even want to comp to Calvin Johnson because he's in such a tier of his own. But Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Allen Robinson, these guys that, you know, don't have you know, high end speed or anything like that, but they really excel at contested catches. And that was the biggest thing working against Allen Robinson last year is he's not a separator at this point in his career, but he's fantastic at getting contested catches. So even when he's got a defender draped on him, he can still get the ball, but he needs a quarterback that's going to have that chemistry and that trust with him to put the ball there. And Justin Fields just didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you look at this offense there just because Kevin O'Connell left, they're not going to stop doing what they just did to win the Super Bowl. Right. So we're talking three wide receiver sets or, Almost 90% of the time. I think it was like 88% of the time they had at least three wide receivers on the field. So Al Robinson is going to be on the field every play. Even if they bring Odell back, he's not going to be ready to go right away. He's going to be, you know, he's coming back to try and win a championship again, not to really be the star of the show. So uh, I think, like you said, he's a, he's a very safe pick. And it's just a matter of how the targets are distributed. And I don't really see a world where uh, he ends up being a low end guy because we know Van Jefferson's not going to come in and be second on that team. We know Tyler Higby's not going to come in and command like a hundred and something targets. So uh, it's pretty much there for the taking, you know? So I'm in on it. Brett, do you think that's bold? Do you even think it's bold to say top 12? That's so that's really the question I think at this point, because it, it was, and now I think people are coming around to it. So at the end of the day, the question is whether, uh, whether we need you to get bolder, Kluge, we need you to get crazier. So he's like, yeah. why was he two? Yeah, I don't think top 12 is that bold. You know, like you said, they did support two top 12 wide receivers last season before Robert Woods got hurt. And the Rams run the most 11 personnel in the entire league. And unlike most teams who run 11 personnel, Cooper Cup's their slot receiver. Like that dude ain't coming off the field. Their slot receiver's in there, and then they're going to have their second, who's their uh, vertical threat. And that's going to be Allen Robinson. Like he's going to be in for probably just as many snaps as Cooper Cup. He's going to get the volume. Um, nothing really changed on this offense aside from Andrew Whitworth retiring, but then you've got Joe Noteboom who's there and did very well um, in Whitworth's absence. And I mean, it's all set up. I don't, I think you're right. I just don't think that it's that bold. You should have seen the comments when I put this out there back in May and everybody thought it was pretty bold. Everyone's just kind of catching up to it at this point, but I just, you know, it, it seems like the writing is on the wall for Allen Robinson to, to bounce back in a big way. And, uh, you know, I wanted to say he was going to have a career year. That, that was the bold prediction that I wanted to go with. But you look at that 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season, it's really tough to expect that he'll uh, he'll surpass that this season. Yeah, like I'm fully on board with that. He can absolutely be a top 12 guy. Um, that I will just say that the Allen Robinson top 12 take is like just a glass of warm milk at your bedside. You know, it's, 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 it's there. It's, you know, it'll go down smooth, but... It, it just needs something else. But, you know, right. but you know what? Say something. We want Kluge to say something. Say something that'll get you in trouble. Al Lazard, <laughs> top three wide receiver. I'm a changed man. I'm a changed man, Coop. That's not me anymore. I'm a, I stay yeah. a little bit more in my lane. You know, I got a firmer process now. I'm not just throwing hot takes at the wall anymore. I, I, I you know, I, we want it. We want the old Kluge back for one episode. Kluge got regular. He started eating. Bring him back, boy. I, I got to say, even, even Alan Lazard, like that was my spicy take. Threw that out back in March. Just that Alan Lazard was going to be top 36. He drafted as wide receiver 41 at this point. And then you steam the guy up. Good the hell. You did it. You didn't know. Um, yeah, like Robinson, I'm fully in on. I mean, as far as, you know, you don't 
obviously have to draft him as top 12 wide receiver, but as far as what he can do, he's going to get the raw participation. The Rams literally stick to, you know, two to three wide receivers. You know, they stick to their formation, their condensed um, personnel. And then, you know, they really don't take guys off the field. Like, it's going to be Cup. It's going to be Robinson. I mean, it was Van Jefferson last year. And then when Beckham came in, Beckham already went into like an 85%, you know, route share. And that was pretty much it. And then Van Jefferson kind of fell off the face of the earth. But if Robinson's healthy, he's going to be running 85% of routes at minimum. Um, last season, I mean, he was 79th out of 90 as far as wide receivers with 50 or more targets with a 1.13 yards per route. Uh, that's that's not hashtag not good um yeah and we talked about this with heath cummings about how i mean al robinson pretty much put in an operation shutdown there was a uh, outfielder for uh for the pittsburgh pirates Derek bell uh i believe in 2001 where he just came over from i believe the toronto blue jays and the manager said you're gonna have to compete for a spot in spring training he's like no i'm not and just left so, you know, he just absolutely shut down. He didn't play another game in baseball. He retired. He took his ball and went home. So that's pretty much what Robinson did in 2021. Now he's, you know, going from Fields and Dalton to Matthew Stafford. And, yeah, he's going to be, um, you know, people that are just getting back into football now because this is high time for redraft season where people are going to be, okay, waking up to fantasy, seeing what's there. And they're going to see Allen Robinson and like the teens in the rankings be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. It's entirely possible. Yeah. So speaking of what the hell is this, uh, I think it's Gabriel Davis time because I'm going to, uh, and Coop uh, earmuffs, by the way, I just want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to poison your money, dude. Yeah, I mean they're they're already coming at me with this one, dude. Like mods, please remove Chris Sellers from the chat for the tenth week in a row because it's just he, we can't have this stuff here. Not not today, okay? See, the thing is, I just don't know if I can quite get behind this level. Uh, Sellers is bringing the boldness, Dave. You can learn something here. <laughs> you know, I, I just I had to pull it up and take a look because I knew you were going to talk, Gabe Davis. He and Allen Robinson are getting drafted side-by-side side right now in underdog. Their ADP is side-by-side. Side. So unless Silly you're saying dude. Dave Davis is going top five, you can't really say that my uh, my, my my take wasn't bold enough. I think – look, I think Gabe Davis has every opportunity to be a wide receiver one this year in fantasy. And is that a stretch? I mean, sure. But look at the last, the last six games, including the postseason. He ran 88% of the routes. I mean, he was prioritized over. I mean, yeah, Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders were hurt slash COVID. Um, but I think that's something that he can maintain. The Bills did not go out to get a big-bodied receiver. They drafted Khalil Shakir, and I believe the fifth round, they went out and got Jamison Crowder. Um, you know, so they're prioritizing getting slot guys. That just means when the Bills condense their formation, he's not coming off the field. Uh, in those six games that he had that 88% route share, uh, he had two uh, two yards per route run, which in uh, in the last six games of 2022, uh, top seven wide receivers in, in fantasy points per game all had at least two yards per route run. Um, and then just, you know, just a general take, he's... I mean, cheaper compared to like, I guess, Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs, but he's cheaper access to the Buffalo Bills offense. If you believe this offense is going to be elite and stay elite, I mean, Gabriel Davis, you get access to that. So 
those are like the main things that I have as far as Gabe Davis. Now I understand that his ADP is just continually rising. He's starting to get into some rarefied air with receivers that have done it and will continue to do it. Um, you know, in areas where draft areas where he might fall a little bit just because of some of that ambiguity um, in Buffalo, which is completely understandable. Yeah, he's going to slip a little bit and you can grab him. But I mean, he is literally under the coals right now. He is red hot as far as, you know, not even public perception of he's going to be this good. It's whether, you know, some people won't even touch him. Some people are all about him. I, I'm closer to all about him, but I have some reservations, but I think that he and this offense can be a wide receiver one this year in fantasy. Do you want to go, Kluge, or do you want me to go? Yeah, I mean... I, That's our I, show, I everybody. That, and I, <laughs> I, The thing is, I agree with everything that you're saying, and, and I think the problem is that his ADP has just gotten outrageous, and his ADP has gotten to that point because everybody's looking for the Buffalo stacks. You know, they get their um stefan Diggs in the first round you know they get uh josh allen in the third and then gabriel davis is there in the fourth they know he's not going to make it back in the fifth and that's why they end up drafting him there and then you've also got the week 17 correlation with the Bengals, where everyone's trying to correlate that game so everybody that's going really heavy on bills and Bengals players is boosting up gabriel davis's adp and now he's at a point where it's not just a flyer that you're taking in the mid rounds that has a really high ceiling now you're passing up on guys like dk metcalf and Allen robinson like we just talked about for a guy who probably doesn't have a ceiling that's much higher than them. So my problem with Gabriel Davis, and really my problem with any player that I'm talking negatively about, never has anything to do with the player themselves. It's always about the ADP. And for me, Gabriel Davis, I just saw where he's getting drafted, and I said, this is ludicrous. We've gotten way over our skis. This guy is getting drafted way above his floor. And even if he does hit to the point where he can be a, a T. Higgins type, where you know, he's a stud wide receiver two on a team, his best case scenario is probably, like you said, fringe wide receiver one, low end wide receiver one. And is that really what you're hoping for when you're swinging for the fences in round four and five? Right. And when we talk about be a T Higgins type, I mean, like he's not going to turn into T Higgins. T Higgins is a tank. This guy's best comparable player on player profile is Zach Pascal. right? He's not particularly big. He's not particularly fast. He caught a couple of touchdowns versus the Chiefs after Tyron Matthews got a concussion. Right. This is the guy we're talking about. And when you look at all these teams, right, there's 32 NFL teams and there's 24 wide receiver one and twos. How many teams are going to have two top 24 wide receivers? Like we're talking about Chase and Higgins, the ones we're comfortable with, you know, Chase and Higgins, Cup and Robinson, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, like every single team, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Is every team going to have two wide wide receiver twos? Are all the wide receiver twos going to come from 12 teams and the rest of the guys going to be terrible? That's really not how it works a lot of times. A lot of times what you have happen is a team like the Bills has a guy like, you know, I don't know, 30 to 33-year-old Cole Beasley getting 100 targets three years in a row. And they bring in Jamison Crowder to play that role. And Jamison Crowder doesn't need to get 100 targets for him to prevent Gabriel Davis from getting the targets he needs. Think about a guy like David, uh, Gabriel Davis that has a 55% catch rate. Two years running now. Caught three of 14 targets versus the Jets. How many targets does that guy need to get to really be consistent? You know, So we're not talking about a guy that can just get 100 targets and catch 55 of them. And all of a sudden, we're happy about picking him at wide receiver 22. That's why for me, I mean, I even have Davis in a dynasty league. I want to see what happens. But in my redraft leagues, I'm not going out and picking a guy in the wide receiver two range to see what happens when I can take Rashad Bateman, when I can take Adam Thielen after him. I mean, we're hoping... 
Gabriel Davis can come out and be the the second pass catcher on his team behind Stephon Diggs and hopefully be a guy that catches a lot of touchdowns, which is what he's done when Adam Thielen's going multiple rounds later. And that's exactly what Adam Thielen is like. You, you're you're paying up for this guy, hoping he's Adam Thielen when Adam Thielen's sitting right there. That's the reason I'm not doing it and why I'm not a big fan of him at his ADP. If Gabe Davis was going where Adam Thielen was going, I might actually be somebody that says, you know what? Why don't I take whoever's there out of these two Adam Thielens that might be available? But, you know, this guy isn't going to all of a sudden turn into a guy that like, do guys even go from 50, multiple years of 55% catch rate to all of a sudden catching like 70% of their passes? I've never really seen it. So uh, I, I just am not willing to pay up when the with the other options that are available. That's what it boils down to for me. So I don't know, Brady, you in or out on Gabe Davis? Well, I'm out, but that's why I think that it is a bold take and it's worthy about talking about because um, you and sellers are on the very same page. Like he and I have had multiple conversations about this. Um, but I think that if you go back even a little bit further, like at the end of the 2020 season where he caught like what five touchdowns in the past or last like two or three weeks of the year, and then he kind of did the same thing this season. Um, he only saw like a 10.9 target share the entirety of the season. And, you know, you can talk about vacated targets all you want, but like you did bring in Crowder and Shakir, and then you still have Isaiah McKenzie who did fairly well, um, last season. So again, it is probably the ADP thing. It's not that I don't like Gabe Davis, but the way that his ADP has been inflated, I really think that you're drafting him at a ceiling. And you're really hoping for him to do this, you know, the touchdown production that he put together, like in the fantasy playoffs last year and the beginning of the season. And if he doesn't have that in the beginning of the season, then you're not going to get in the playoffs and you're not even going to see that production anyway. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. I don't, I just don't trust it. I'm a safe fantasy football player and I would rather go with floor. And this feels like a, a very low floor to me. And, and here, you know, Coop, you talked about it, that you've got Gabe Davis on one of your dynasty teams, and I've got him on some of my dynasty teams as well, and I can't understand that disparity between his redraft ranking and his dynasty ranking. This is a young guy that everybody's projecting to step into a much bigger role this season, and why isn't that reflecting on his dynasty value? He's going wide receiver 22 right now in redraft, and he's still the wide receiver 35 in dynasty. So there, there's something that just isn't adding up there looking at those two rankings. That's what I'm saying. I can't trade him. So Gary, I, I see, I absolutely see his upside, man. You you would have to, you'd be crazy to say that you can't say that he could be a top two target on that team and continue to catch touchdowns at the rate he does, in which case Adam Thielen was doing that last year and he was like wide receiver seven. So it is absolutely possible. You know what I mean? It's just, and I'm here for it in the dynasty league where nobody wants Gabe Davis, even though everyone loves Gabe Davis, right? Like I have him, he's going to be in my lineup because that team's a rebuilding team. So I'm hoping that that does happen. But at the same time, at that ADP in redraft, I don't need to expose myself to that risk when I know there's other guys there that I think are equally likely to be as good or better that are cheaper. That's just where I'm at. It's an ADP thing, like Luke said. And I I get the other side, too. It's just the complete opportunity cost of having to take him while there are all those guys out there. So I completely get that. Um, I'm just a blind homer at this point. And Akub, I'm really surprised that you did not mention that uh, Gabriel Davis was a fourth round wide receiver, too. 
Dude, everybody hates when I bring that up. <laughs> the fact that the fact that the best fourth round wide receiver over the last fifteen years is on the Bills. His name is James Jameson Crowder. Crowder. Stati- statistically speaking, the best fourth round wide receiver is Jameson Crowder. So the bar isn't high for him to be the best fourth round wide receiver in a long time. Uh, maybe it'll happen. Well, maybe one day uh, Gabriel Davis will be Cecil Shorts. Maybe he will be Cecil Shorts his entire career this year we can we can only hope and that'll see some stories from powerhouse mount union mount union d3 powerhouse pierre, pierre garcon also mount union stud uh brit uh your one of your bold predictions or bold takes let's uh let's hear it yeah so i'm gonna say that cd lamb is going to end up as a top five wide receiver this season um I mean, I know everybody kind of had that hype with him last season because obviously the hard knocks bump and everybody saw him on TV and that just kind of inflates ADP as it is. But last season he operated primarily out of the slot for Dallas, um, except when, you know, Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper were out and Cedric Wilson filled that role. Um, He played 32.3% of his snaps out of the slot. And that meant when they, you know, took receivers off the field, He was the odd man out. He only had an 81% route participation, despite being basically the 1A, 1B in this offense. Um, There was also an issue of his red zone usage last year. So he got a higher target share than Amari Cooper, but in the red zone, Amari Cooper had a 20% target share compared to Lamb's 11.4%, like just drastically crazy. Um, But Lamb still only had two fewer touchdowns than Cooper. Then you look at, what happened in the offseason? We traded Amari Cooper to Cleveland. Cedric Wilson left in free agency. Blake Jarwin left in free agency. Um, Malik Turner left in free agency. 44% of the pass catchers or who received 44% of Dallas's targets are gone this year. Like, gone. And yes, they brought in Jalen Tolbert and James Washington, but that is not going to, they're not going to absorb 44% of that target share, right? So assuming that Dallas remains in the top five of pass attempts per game and Lamb even gets just a slight uptick in target percentage. He was around 20% last year. Let's just say he gets a 22% to 24% this year. You're looking at 140 to 160 targets based on that target share if they remain or retain their volume from last year. I don't see that any way that Lamb just does not get targets funneled completely in his direction. He's obviously going to have positive touchdown regression because as the number one wide receiver, you're not going to keep on an 11.4% red zone target share. And I just think like the wheels are up on CD this year. The Cowboys also also have a really easy strength of schedule and people are sleeping on him, but I think he's going to, he's going to end up in the top. There you have it folks, a scorching hot, Take from Britt Flynn, the wide receiver six on underdog could finish as high as wide receiver five. Dave Kluge, how do you think, how do you feel about that? That absolutely screaming hot take. I mean, you got a bunch of, you got a bunch of grizzled vets on this show right now, and we have just been beaten and bludgeoned by the masses for years on end. I mean, it's tough. You got to find that line between, you know, a hot take and not getting Dave, you might be absolved here. Well, no, I'm saying that because he ended as wide receiver 19 last season, like, you know, and he was going like way higher last year. He disappointed people last season. I'm saying he's not going to disappoint people this year. He's actually going to finish there. Oh, I'm giving know. you a hard I'm, time, Brent. I'm with it on a bounce back. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm just not going to do this. Nonstop. Brent, I'm not going to do this anymore. 
Britt, I'm 100% joking with you, and I'll even go as far as to say I think he could be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy football. No joke, because he he's a guy that we saw him flash in situations where he was lining up in the slot in three wide receiver sets and then moved to two wide receiver sets when they, you know, when uh, Gallup was out or Amari was out. And in those games, he was crushing 20 points a game, right? Over Pretty much in all those games. And that's exactly what we saw with Chris Godwin the year that he came out and he was wide receiver two overall. He went from a guy who was just playing in slot situations are coming out and he wasn't playing every down because they had Deshaun Jackson. Now CeeDee Lamb gets to be in that situation where he's on the field every single time. So I'm 100% on board with you, Brett. I was just giving you a hard time because I think you, I think everything you said is exactly right. And you should have just taken it all the way and dunked it from half court. Wide receiver one overall. Let's go. She pulled up with an elbow jump shot. Right. Yeah. It's like you, you had it all. You should, you know, go. She made it. Play, she made it. Plant the flag. Well, plant you the know flag. What? It's what happens when I talk about my favorite team you don't want to go too bold because then you're just going to get disappointed so i tempered my own expectations with that take you're protective of the boys you got to be protective of the boys i get that Brent. i get that yeah but i'm saying you just crushed that take out of the park go wide receiver three top three let's go dave and i, and I get it Brent. you know one of my bold predictions i wanted to say cole Komet was going to finish top five but i got this helmet sitting right here and i can't say that and be taken seriously <laughs> i i completely get it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm fully on. I'm fully on board. I'm taking Lamb. Uh, Lamb is one of those guys where because w- where other people are taking him, like I love picking at the swing in these underdogs. The picks make themselves. I feel like I get there and it's like Mixon and Swift and Lamb, and it's just like it's too easy for me at that spot. So I, I'm I'm fully on board with Lamb. I'm willing to take him ahead of a few of these other guys. So uh, super excited to see what happens. Yeah, Lamb was one of those guys. I mean, last year you were. I was taken with the two, three turn, like in it didn't, it felt fine because you knew you were going to be buying into that upside, but it still didn't feel great from the fact that they still had Amari Cooper and, you know, they still had all these weapons there. I mean, last season he ran 76% of routes per drawback. Uh, he only had three games where he was running 90% of routes after the week seven buy. He had six games of sub 80% route share. Now, uh, Cooper is not there. Gallup might not start the season. Uh, James Washington, Jalen Tolbert, you've got Dalton Schultz. So this is like make or break. Like CD Lamb was coming off of the field. I mean, they had and Cedric Wilson. CD Lamb was coming off of the field when Gallup and Cooper were finally healthy. You know, he was in the slot. Now, if if he does not run ninety percent or more of routes, like it's time to just completely cut bait on like the entire Dallas Cowboys coaching staff, because it is clear that CD lamb. I mean, these elite wide receivers like CD lamb, you need to get them on the field. If now you have your best shot and you're not even going to get them on the field, like get him on the field, 90% route share. He will be a top, you know, three to four wide receiver. I mean, he's being drafted right now at what you said, wide receiver six, I believe on underdog. He'll probably be, you know, wide receiver six, seven, eight, I can't see him falling too much further than that, you know, in standard redraft. But yeah, CD Lamb absolutely has this path now with what I would say is a pretty ambiguous, you know, uh, personnel there. Obviously, with Cooper gone, Gallup being hurt, it's pretty much him and Schultz right now carrying the load for Dallas until Gallup gets back and, you know, unproven guys. Yeah, it's his show. For sure, man. I mean, he made my Patriots look stupid last year, and I still forgive him for it. So, 
Yep. Uh, Coop. Yeah. So here's one that uh, I, I feel like no, not a lot of people are saying when I think that it, it's entirely possible. Right. And I think that deep and, you know, let's get back to talking about the fourth round wide receivers, everybody's favorite topic. Right. So uh, let's talk about DJ Chark potentially outscoring Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. In this situation, really, you have to think about what the 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 lines have did. And I'm not going to bore everybody going through the entire thing because we've done it multiple times in the show. But basically, they were tanking on purpose, not losing the games on purpose. But the GM, Brad Holmes, went out and did everything he possibly could to let guys leave to maximize the comp picks they're bringing back and roll money forward to the future. Right. They let Kenny Galladay. Their split end leave. They let Marvin Jones, their flanker leave, right? They let uh, their kicker leave. They let Jared Davis leave. They only signed one guy to an incoming multi-year deal with guaranteed money to ensure they would get the maximum four comp picks that you can get back, right? You could, they could sign uh, one guy because they had five guys leave, right? So they got the maximum four comp picks. That's what they did. They lost on purpose. They ran a skeleton crew ghost ship into the ground. And Amon Ross St. Brown, there's a very real chance that he was simply the one eye, the one-eyed king in the land of the blind last year. There were no other professional wide receivers on that team. DJ Chark might be the best wide receiver that he's ever been in the room with. You know, I know he played with guys at USC, but this could be a real situation where they get everybody on the field and they all of a sudden say, "Hey, oh wow, you know, we were throwing to this guy because we didn't have anybody else, but now we have these other options." I mean, and that's what really scares me in Dynasty about Amon Ross St. Brown because we sat here a couple of years ago going, "Oh, I, I'm not worried about Preston Williams because Devonte Parker's not that good." It's like Devonte Parker's not there either. Jalen, it's Jalen Waddle and Terry Kill now. You know, Jamison Williams came in. So even if DJ Chark isn't that good, then that just means they need a new split end. Neither of those guys are playing split end. But in the short term, when you look at that team, we don't know how the target's going to be distributed, right? You've got one guy in Amon Ross St. Brown that runs a seven-yard average depth of target, which is nothing. That's like screens, that's dump-offs, that's nothing. And then you have, that's Jack Doyle City. Then you have... uh DJ Chark, who's a split end running real routes, 14 yard average at the target last year before he got hurt, it was 17 yards. If those two guys both get a similar number of targets, the guy who's running the real routes is going to accumulate more yards and be better in fantasy football. I mean, that's just math. That's how that works. You know, so there is obviously a situation where maybe Jared Goff continues to just take the low-hanging fruit, dumping it down to TJ Hawkinson and ARSB and Swift and Tyler Higby like in 2019, and, and then they have to replace him. That that could very possibly happen, and you know, then Amonor St. Brown will be fine. But there's a very real possibility that you're, you're reaching and drafting this guy, and he ends up being a guy that doesn't get 11 or 12 targets like he did last year. He gets six or seven, and now you just have expensive Jacoby Myers. You know, And the biggest indictment on that is these people that, when I ask them, I say, I, I go, Amon Ross St. Brown's not going to get the targets he got at the end of last year. And they say to me, I know he's not going to. And then we, and then I say, what are we talking about then? Because he was barely cracking 90 yards with those targets. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. There's a very real possibility that DJ Chark is actually better than Amon Ross St. Brown. And you can get him for free. And Amon Ross St. Brown is just going to be whoever or whatever. So that's my bold take. DJ Chark scores more points than Amon Ross St. Brown this season. Boom, shaka, laka. I'll just say this is another guy who, you know, you and I were on this early. We were talking this back in February and March that everyone needed to pump the brakes on Amon St. Brown. That hype train was just getting out of control. 
And uh, I just pulled it up and looked at his history back in March when we were talking about that. He was getting drafted in best ball as the wide receiver 22. Ahead of where Gabe Davis and Allen Robinson, the other guys that we talked about earlier, were getting drafted. Since then, though, he's dropped down to wide receiver 30. And I still think that that is a little bit too high. But I've been sprinkling him in and getting a little bit of exposure there at wide receiver 30. I think that's much more, um, you know, I, I can stomach that more than I can wide receiver 22. Yeah, the thing about Amon Ross St. Brown is that people don't realize, like, how high his target share got in the weeks that Hawkinson and Swift were out during those weeks, like weeks 13 through 18, he had a 31.1% target share. Like how on God's green earth is that feasible going forward? Especially when Swift commands like an 18.8% target share when he's healthy. That's just, it's, it blows my mind. And yes, he did do well. And you know, he won a lot of people, their fantasy football championships, but this is why we play redraft because it's a new year. Like new shit has come to light, Kevin. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, you know, not even with Hawkinson and Swift there, but then you do go out and get Shark, who has done fairly well with some pretty bad quarterbacks, you know, and I don't think that they are really invested in, ARSB, especially with the draft capital that they put into him and then going out and getting this. And then Jameson Williams is going to show up at some point during the season. And that's when you're going to be going into your fantasy football championships, most likely. So why do you want to draft this guy at his absolute ivory tower ceiling when he's not even going to be available for you at the end of the year? So mm. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, DJ Chark, do, 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 do. <laughs> a little nod to the godfather ryan Hallen there for that because i know he loves to do that um yeah, yeah and the one thing we really haven't talked about was just deandre swift being able to command targets too. add him into the pile i mean he had an 18 percent target share last year so i mean just adding him adding jameson williams adding tj hawkinson i mean tj hawkinson we all you know thought that he had a chance to be in that kind of rarefied tight end era i mean he'll probably be in that second tier of tight ends which there's nothing to shake shake a stick about certainly but you know that's just another tar you know guy that's going to be commanding a, a in the teens target share um you know not everybody can catch all these passes but i mean i'm on ray st brown you know we've said everything that we can literally say about him on st brown but there is range of outcomes where dj chark on his you know one-year deal I mean, why can't he reclaim what he did in Jacksonville? And, you know, they, okay, well, we know he's still got it. Let's sign him for a two- or three-year deal. Like, why is that not in the range of outcomes? Like, why have we already put, you know, one foot in the grave for DJ Chark? Like, it's just ignoring the range of outcomes is just foolish. I was, I'll take it one further. Like, if you think DJ Chark sucks, you want them to, and you like Amon Ross St. Brown, you want them to extend him. You want DJ Chark to be the third guy that does nothing because we just saw with the Dolphins that it's way worse when they say Devontae Parker sucks and they bring in somebody else because Preston Williams is gone. So, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's what ends up happening, right? And, you know, the last thing I'll say on this situation is that, like, this is still a team that Vegas say, says wins six games. You know what I mean? Like this isn't well, all of a sudden this team, like if, if they have Deandre Swift and TJ Hawkinson and Amon Rossi Brown and all these fantasy relevant guys, you might, I mean, if you think that's going to happen, you might as well just bet on the over on the season over win totals because Vegas is saying they're going to be one of the worst five or six teams in the league again, you know? So I, I think Britt made the best point too. It's just that when Jamison Williams comes back, 
Amandre St. Brown is going to be such an afterthought. I mean, he's likely mm-hmm. going to be fifth in the pecking order on this Lions team. And it's just, I mean, sure, you might get some good weeks, you know, a couple boom weeks here and there early in the season. But when you need it most in the fantasy playoffs, Amandre St. Brown is going to completely disappear. People kind of have this misconception that Jamison Williams is just a field stretcher because he did that a lot, but he can win everywhere on the field. DJ Chark is going to take that field stretching role and Jamison Williams is going to make Amandre St. Brown completely obsolete. Right. And if, if, if James Crowder, and, I'm sorry, if uh, Amon Ross St. Brown ends up being like the extra dude in this offense, that's amazing for a fourth round pick. Like where's Des Fitzpatrick right now? You know what I mean? Like he's already sur- like surpassed expectations. And if you have him in dynasty, you should be happy that he, you know, you picked a fourth round pick and he turned into anything at all. You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm in favor of cashing out now because you can kind of take that uh, you know, one in a million scratch ticket you just grabbed and turn it into cash right now before it turns back into a pumpkin. Yeah, your best case scenario right now with with Amonra St. Brown is Tyler Boyd right now. Like what Tyler Boyd is this in, in this offense in Cincinnati right now because they got their guys in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, where Tyler Boyd was the guy until they went out and got the quarterback and got those two guys. I mean, right now, I mean, Tyler Boyd is fine, but He's probably an 85 to 90 target guy as long as he's in an offense with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. If you're drafting, if you're trading up to draft Jamison Williams, if you have TJ Hawkinson, if you have DeAndre Swift, like I said, not everybody can eat in an offense. Like there, there are those guys like Amonre St. Brown, where what how many times did the Lions pass on Amonre St. Brown to draft him? Four times, five times? And they had a third round pick and they said, nah. And then they had a third round comp pick after the third round before the fourth round. And they were like, nah. And then they took him after this. Our guy. We got Tom Brady for me. How just how how pumped can they be? You know, so that's where I'm at. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I've been wrong before. Yeah. I wish I still had that Amonra St. Brown video. I, I actually took it off of here. I didn't know if it would get another run, but. Might have to bring that back. Anyway, um, let's get off of the Amonra St. Brown hour here. Uh, Dave, your other uh, bold prediction for 2022. Hopefully this one is bold enough for you guys. And still, you know, it's not steaming, but I'll, I'll bump the Scovilles up a little bit on this one here. I've got Aaron Rodgers, who's currently getting drafted as a QB 13, outscoring the five guys ahead of him. Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. I am confidently selecting and ranking Aaron Rodgers above all of those guys. And I mean, this shouldn't be a hot take, but for whatever reason it is, this guy was a QB six last year, QB three, the year before coming off back-to-back MVPs. I mean, Kev, I know you're a Packers fan, so no surprise here, but you have one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, arguably the best quarterback in NFL history. And the wild thing is everybody's gut reaction is, well, he's going to suck because Devontae Adams is gone. This man has lost every single wide receiver one that he's ever played with Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, you know, they've all left at one point. But the really, really bizarre thing is the splits that we see from Aaron Rodgers over the last three years when Devontae Adams doesn't play. And you guys might have talked about this on the show already. This isn't some deep hidden nugget, but attempts go up, completions go up, passing yards go up, touchdowns go up, interceptions go down. Wildest thing, 7-0 and record. He has not lost a game with Matt LaFleur as the head coach since uh, in games without Devontae Adams. 
but the fantasy points are what's mind blowing. He averages in the 41 games that he's played with Adams over these last three years, 23 points per game without Adams on a seven game sample size. So we're not extrapolating, you know, two or three games here. We're looking at almost half a season, 27 points per game. To put that into perspective, the only quarterback that's ever averaged more than 27 points per game over a full season was Lamar Jackson when he broke fantasy football three years ago with his thousand yard rushing season. Aaron Rodgers is so wildly efficient in this Matt LaFleur offense. He doesn't even need to rush the ball to crack into that elite tier. Um, and, and it's just such a different offense when Devontae Adams isn't out there. Obviously, Devontae Adams gets open immediately off the line of scrimmage. So when he's the primary read, Aaron Rodgers looks at him. He's got a separation a quarter of a second after the ball's been snapped, and Aaron Rodgers lets it fly right in his direction. When he doesn't have Devontae Adams there as a security blanket, he has to go through his progressions and find the open man, and that's what Matt LaFleur does so well. He comes from the Shanahan coaching tree where they just have these really creative ways to scheme their players open. And it's kind of hard to talk about this in a show without showing actual film, but you see Lazard getting dragged behind the offensive line so you can get him matched up with a defensive end. You see these crossing routes where they'll chip two defenders to get a guy wide open in space. And these guys just, it, it's that simple. I mean, they get wide open in this offense. Um, and, and, and that's what really jumped out to me is more than the fantasy points and the touchdowns, which, you know, are very small extrapolations. It's the passing yards with Devontae Adams in those 41 games, 252 yards per game without Devontae Adams. 292 a full 50 yards per game more on an undefeated record so right now i'm drafting aaron Rodgers ahead of all of the guys that don't have the konami code rushing upside and then justin herbert and joe burrow as soon as i get past those two tiers of quarterbacks my sights are focused on aaron Rodgers. out of boy dude somebody clip that and make it so it it just goes aaron Rodgers will outscore trey lance and then we'll post that and then that <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll get the people going yeah no i'm i i'm fully on board with that i mean we've seen this guy throw you know 14 touchdowns to james jones 11 touchdowns to robert tunyon like he's the magic man he's the guy that makes it happen and you bring up a lot of good points about uh you know this team potentially having to play in more difficult situations because we talked about this a bunch of times on here where peyton manning had his best seasons not necessarily when the team was at its best but in the situations where they just had to throw a lot more, you know, so there could very well be those situations for the Packers. Uh, it's just, you need somebody to emerge like you, not even not even, no one needs to be Devontae Adams, but it can't just be Alan Lazard. Like you need Christian Watson or, or Aaron Jones or even Amari Rogers, or, I mean, Randall Cobb caught like eight touchdown passes last year. You know what I mean? Like, and he's not crazy old. He's got the same, same exact birthday as Adam Thielen. Um, so it's like I think he can still play in this game. You know they're they're clearly friends. They they're close. So uh, I think it, you know you might not even have a guy who's like the megastar player on the team, but that doesn't mean that Rodgers can't lead this team to a ton of wins and and do what he does. Like you said, back to back MVP league. So yeah, Rodgers is just so adaptable, and it's kind of annoying, um, but he just figures out a way to win, like regardless of of who's there. And a lot has been made, you know, who's going to be his wide receiver one, da, 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 da. But Kluge, you mentioned Aaron Jones. In splits, when Devontae Adams isn't there, Aaron Jones gets a ton more targets. Like in the games with Devontae Adams, I think his average for a year pace is around 53. In games without Devontae Adams, his average targets for a year is 100. I mean, Aaron Rodgers utilizes Aaron Jones in those situations and he finds ways to get his weapons the ball, like no matter what kind of receivers that he has. And I mean, 
this guy's just kind of a magician. He's going to get it figured out. And uh, yeah, I think you could be absolutely right. I mean, we're looking at the same sample size of seven games that I talked about with Aaron Rodgers for Aaron Jones. And in those seven games over the last three years where Devontae Adams has missed, Aaron Jones averaged more points per game in PPR leagues than Cooper Cup did all of last season. I mean, he turns into an absolute monster. So Aaron, I mean, really, I'm throwing darts at everybody on the Packers offense because it seems like everybody is doubting that the, this team is still going to be able to perform with Devontae, without Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers took a huge ADP hit. Aaron Jones is still going in the mid-second. Al Lazard is still available in the seventh. Those are the guys that I'm really targeting. But then even in the late rounds, I'll throw darts at Christian Watson, like you talked about, Coop. Um, uh, uh, Randall Cobb. Um, I, I think the only guys that I'm not really interested in, especially, are Sammy Watkins and Robert Tunyon. Outside of those guys, though, I'm drafting just about everybody in Green Bay at their ADP. Yeah, that's the one part about it, especially like just talking about best ball, like everybody is so accessible within that Green Bay offense as far as uh, affordability. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a guy you can get just at, at what double digit rounds, 10th round. Um, yeah, he's not going to kill you, especially in like a super flex. Like he is like the perfect quarterback, too, if you're like on a turn and want to go like Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers and just short up like you're perfectly fine doing that for like redraft. I mean, he is one of the guys that, you know. I would not be shocked if he just keeps up this, keeps his train going. He is literally, he is an anomaly like in fantasy football, despite whatever weapon limitations that this guy has, whether it be due to injury or the fact that, you know, they want to roll into 2022 with Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and whatever, you know, Sammy Watkins, literal alien that they want to throw out there. Um, he's going to find a way to make it work. So, um, fully in on Aaron Rodgers as far as, you know, just being a value among those elite quarterbacks. He's not going to kill you, obviously, with interceptions. I just worry a little bit about, you know, with Adam Senevich now as the OC. I mean, it's Matt LaFleur calling the plays and everything like that, but uh, would not shock me if Green Bay dips into that lower quarter of, um, you know, pass play percentage, just almost out of necessity. Yeah, I say since we're up against it for time, I'm just going to say mine real quick. We don't even need to discuss it because it's definitely happening. We've talked about it on the show a million times. Uh, Evan Ingram right now, somehow tight end to 23 on underdog. He's going to be a top five tight end. He's going to lead that team in targets, right? So do yourself a favor. Uh, don't even, We don't have to even discuss it. Just go on underdog. Use promo code alarm. They'll match you up to 100 bucks, and then you draft Evan Ingram, and then you make a bunch of money. How's that sound? That sounds great. And, you know, use promo code like we talked about before. Use promo code on uh, what are some of our other ones? Prize picks. Use promo code Alarm25 on Yahoo. Cheesecake right? Factory. Like, make sure you, when you're at the Cheesecake Factory, instead of paying a tip, just write Alarm in there. It's You save yourself some They know money, what's going right? on. Just, just don't go back to that Cheesecake Factory and you'll be fine. Right. So that's what we're talking about. Promo code alarm. Just try try it on different websites. You know, if you're on you know CVS or whatever, it might work. If it doesn't work, they just say, oh, that's not a real promo code. So it's worth giving it a try. We have a ton of places that, you know, we're set up with, you know, all these different spots. So definitely give it a try. Promo code alarm. Evan Ingram. It's free money. It's free real estate. 100%. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just going to drop mine real quick. Um, I think that Desmond Ritter ends up starting sooner rather than later over Marcus Mariota and actually ends up being a viable super flex option at the end of the year. Uh, Mariota's last year in Tennessee, when he was with Ar Arthur Smith, who he's now back with, it's not like he's going into a new system. He only had 2,500 yards, 7.6 yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns, and he had 13.1 fantasy points per game, which was 32nd in the league. 
I think after drafting Ritter that the Falcons are going to be so bad that by even week four, they're going to be like, let's give this kid a shot. He's improved every single season in college. He had a career high in yards per attempt, um, 64.9% completion percentage and a 30 to eight touchdown to interception ratio. And he's got the same rushing upside as Mariota. So why not throw this kid in there? I think by the end of the season, he's going to be a guy you can start in your super flex spots and uh, pew, pew. Love that. <laughs> Love that take. Yep. I will throw mine out there as well. I think that T. Higgins will outscore Jamar Chase this year in fantasy. I mean, looking at weeks 11 through 18, Higgins already had the jump on Jamar Chase as far as uh, fantasy points per game. Higgins at 18.4. Chase had 17.1. A higher target share, more receiving yards, more receptions, more targets. Like Higgins could outplayed Jamar Chase in you know a pretty big sample size when both were on the field together. So would it surprise me if T. Higgins, you know, basically the wide receiver 11, 12 right now, outscored Jamar Chase? Not at all. And you're getting him a round and a half cheaper. So um fully in on T. Higgins, not a paid T. Higgins supporter, but I would like to be. Dude, I mean, like the target shares on the season, 23.9% for Chase, 23.7%. For Higgins, I mean, no, sorry, I had those flipped. Higgins actually had a slightly higher one. And like there's there's when the target shares are that consolidated, you know, it can go either way. We've seen it in the past where the better wide receiver in a vacuum doesn't end up being the better fantasy wide receiver because teams focus on that guy. They key in on that guy. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's hard to say which of those guys is actually better. Right. Yeah. Gabe Davis. I mean, maybe everyone's worried about digs and Gabe Davis gets like 150 targets week, and catches half of them. Week one at DFS, uh, by the way, Bills Rams, Jalen Ramsey on Stefan Diggs. Just saying. There it is. Boom shakalaka. So have been your cap. I mean, fun. yeah, I can't wait for those tweets that day, but I'm more uh, yeah. about the week one Baker revenge game against the Browns. Yes, that's going to be excellent. I'm I'm really the one I'm interested in is the Bears 49ers where the a game where the over under is like 20 points and it's two mobile quarterbacks. But it's going to be Lancer Field Truthers. One of them is going to be somebody after that game. No question, dude. Yeah, that's that'll be an interesting one though. A lot of band aids getting ripped off right away in that one. So, Everybody will uh, be in a be prayer fun. circle for that one. What's the yeah. over under yeah. on how many times we see that Justin Fields run against the 49ers last year in the week leading up to that game? Oh, I can't I mean, wait, It's going to be everywhere. That was kind of electric, though, that play. No question. It just, yeah. it just made the NFL's top 100 rushes of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, it's uh, ahead of the Steve Young. It's very similar run. Has anyone overlaid those two runs yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, yeah. so before we get out of here, we're going to go around the table here, starting with Dave. One, I mean, we had, we had bold takes, but just an outrageous, maniacal, wild take fantasy wide right for a homer homer take right alan robinson wide receiver 20 we'll do it (laughs) (laughs) no really i'm at top five and i'm I'm not even i I wrote an article about this i am all in on it i mean this kid is heading into year three um kevin you were the one that actually gave me this data but when you're looking at guys that have scored 120 or that have pulled 125 or more targets they have an 84 percent clip rate over the last decade of finishing within the top three so 93 targets last year, and that was competing in a tight end room with Jimmy Graham, with uh, Jesper Horstead, and Jesse James, who don't sound like a lot of guys, but they pulled 34 targets on their own. You also had Allen Robinson pulling his targets. Well, they lost all of those guys, and they only replaced them with Velas Jones, Equinemius St. Brown, and Byron Pringle. I think his path to 125 targets is so easy to imagine. 
uh, last year, seeing 93 targets and zero touchdowns is just unheard of. I mean, people don't do that. So you've got to expect the regression is going to be the, the positive regression is heading his way. Um, I, I feel like it's just an easy call. And he's another guy who started to slowly creep up draft boards. But until his ADP reflects, you know, tight end seven or higher, I'm going to keep smashing him in every single draft. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it, dude. And that Bears helmet behind you doesn't change how I feel about it, dude. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. There's no reason. Give me an opportunity to have a homer pick because I don't get to do yeah. those often. Yeah, yeah, that's why I put that in there. You can't have less than zero touchdowns, folks. That is math, right? So uh, here's my homer pick from uh, from Boston here. That Okay, clip this. Mac Jones will be this year's Joe Burrow. <laughs> I mean, dude, um, you know, cha- changing of the guard. He looks absolutely yoked, right? They completely changed the offense. No more fullback. No more trudging like nonsense, dude. They at least brought in like a little Devontae Parker. Kendrick Bourne looks super awesome. Hunter Henry is a touchdown machine. He had the second highest uh, completion percentage of any rookie quarterback of all time, just behind Dak Prescott. Did anyone know that? Yeah, well, now you know. I now just you know. heard that actually. So look, look at Davis Mills starts. He actually had more than Mac. Yeah, Matt, D- Davis Mills is a super mega star. I'm saying that I'm saying that <laughs> Mac Jones can be this year's Joe Burrow. So I mean, they come out, throw a little more. You got to still going. So there you go, Mac Jones this year's Joe Burrow, super hot boy. Dalton Schultz, tight end one. But, Ew. but yep. Can I can I ask you something, Brett? Sure. How how can Dalton Schultz be the tight end one if Kyle Pitts is going to be the tight end one? Well, he might be. You know, I had to make a homer pick. It wasn't like I actually had a lot to choose from. So I like this honestly, one, dude. But honestly, I think that Schultz is probably going to be second in targets behind Lamb. He already had a higher red zone target percentage than Lamb did. And they didn't really do a lot to improve their wide receiving core, you know? I think Schultz is going to be out there the majority of the times. He's going to be the pass-catching dude. Uh, he's got as much upside as anybody else. Yeah. I'll say one thing. There's no reason for Jerry Jones to come out and say that he doesn't think Michael Gallup's going to be ready for week one. You know, it's so it's early enough that you just say, oh, we hope he's going to be back. So anytime you hear a guy come out and say he's not going to be back, that's scary. So, you know, it could be both Komet and Schultz have a chance to be a top two target on the team. And that is the barrier to entry to super high end upside or so I've heard. <laughs> yeah. OK. And then mine. I mean, it. I was thinking about it. I don't really know if it's such a hot take that Kyle Pitts can be the tight end one, because obviously he could be the tight end one. Robert Tunney could be the tight end one, too, but he's going to start the year on the pup list. So probably not going to happen. DJ Moore, top two wide receiver this year. I thought you were a Packers man. They're like sons to me, Dave. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I DJ Moore has you, been you Kevin's baby Packers. forever. I, I, I've, I've never met a Packers fan that dislikes the Packers more than you do. I don't know. He's just like a stern dad. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm not mad at the Packers. I'm just disappointed. No. I'm, no I'm, <laughs> you've been blessed with 35. Your entire lifetime has been nothing but amazing quarterback play, and you find a way to to, to hate on that. As like, Aaron Nagler like would say, imagine what it's like to be a Bears fan. And my favorite part is that all half Kev ta- Kev's followers are Packers fans, and they j- all they want is for Kev to like the Packers a little more. <laughs> like that's all they that's all they want from you, Kev. That's it. <laughs> well, you know what? 
<laughs> okay, Julio I Jones, I'll be happier. <laughs> well, that would be nice. I'm going to start the season on the pup list. Julio Jones would make a great tight end. I'm, I mean, dude, it's entirely possible. Can we get a clip of Joe Rogan going, it's entirely possible, and use that on here? Or is that like, is there copyright issues with that? I have no idea. You'll have to send it over to me. I'll check it out. Yeah, we'll 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 get the interns on that. But uh, we will uh, wrap it up. We went a little long, uh, but Dave, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us. Obviously, we will see you uh, on the Scott Fishbowl Potathon on Sunday. But uh, let us know where we can find everything that you're doing, my friend. Yeah, real simple. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K L U G E, and then all of my written and video content can be found at FootballGuys.com. Hell yeah, man. Kluge, you the man, dude. Thank you for coming on, buddy. Always a good Always time, dude. And you've been life. crushing it, man. You've been crushing it with your account, dude. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So keep up the good work, buddy. Just having, having fun. Having fun and, and a, lot, a lot of research, man. Like, I know how it goes with that stuff, dude. To come up with the, like, it's one thing to comb through stats. And then when you find something interesting, it's it's the best. And you've been do I feel like you've been doing that fairly consistently lately. And I, I, I just love that, dude. There's something about a good stat that gets me fired up, dude. So I appreciate you, bud. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yep. Coop's been uh, digging into that, those Randy McMichael stats. And when he found that one about those, those top tight, oh, every Tony, week for Tony McGee. I know every, for me, I love Tony <laughs> McGee, baby. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I actually commented on that. I was like, "Let's get more McGee shoutouts out here, boy." Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that Randy Michael stat. I haven't said that all week, and I think I've said it every week for uh, five years now. So, Randy Michael, the last, the last tight end to to be top five without ninety targets or ten touchdowns. Everyone since every top five tight end since then has had. Uh, one of those two in PPR. That's the stat. Is he just That's averaging it. 25 yards per reception? How, how does that even happen? I, it was just a crazy down year for tight ends yeah, in the league. The tight ends were it bad. was just it was just a weird year, man. Like since then, it's been fairly consistent. In half PPR, there's been one exception. It was Mark Andrews had 88 targets the COVID year. He missed two games, and he was still a top, top five. In half in full PPR, the, the stat is is full on board. So. That's why we want guys to be top two targets on their team because I'm not predicting 10 touchdowns for anybody. No tight end in the league last year had 10 touchdowns. Nobody. Yeah. All right. The more you know. That's the one we needed. We talked about that like <laughs> last week and we dropped the ball. We need the, the more you know one. We need that 100%. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. With Bob Lung, we'll be going through our running backs uh, fantasy preview and talk a bit about the uh, Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, so going to be a lot of fun. Uh, join us then. Uh, we'll also have, we'll talk about the consistency guide as well that Bob puts out every year. Um, always a great time uh, with Bob Lung. So be sure to join us then. Uh, for Dave, again, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us. Uh, Andrew Cooper for Britt, Britt Flynn. I am Kevin Tompkins. And you know what, Britt? I think you need to say it this week. Toodles. <laughs>